In our presentation today, all of the, the characters in our presentation are women. But you know, they wouldn't have had to have been. It could have been the leper. It could have been the sick man. It could have been any number of people. But it wasn't. God came to the, to the women of the Bible and ministered to them. Um, I'm sorry, I've lost one of my sheets, but I'll tell <laughs> But he came, he came to minister to the people in a Jewish community to almost 2,000 years ago. The culture was very different. Women were, no, women and children were possessions of men. They were thought of as lesser people. But God came and, and changed the thinking of the people of those times. If he were to come today, he would be very unique. He would change the thinking of people. He would be uh, a totally different type of person, but he came. He came to the culture in, those, in that day. Today, as we portray some of the women of the Bible, we trust that you will be touched and that you will uh, learn to know Jesus better too. Blessed, me, blessed. Maybe I just dreamt it. Or maybe I'm just losing my mind. No, I know I heard it. I know, I saw it with my own eyes. I heard his words, and he said, and I said, yes. What have I gotten myself into? But could I say no? Could I say no and refuse a messenger of God? Could I refuse to help fulfill prophecy? Could I? But who's going to believe this? A pregnant virgin. My mother. My father. I could be stoned for this. Oh, and what about Joseph? What am I going to say to Joseph? That'll never go over. <sighs> hmm. What do I say? Congratulations. You're pregnant. Oh, I mean, you're going to have a baby. I mean... You're going to be a father. That, that won't go over either. Joseph, I know you're going to have a difficult time believing this, but God has a special plan for my life. Joseph, you know as well as I do that he has worked many 
miracles in women's lives throughout time. Look at Sarah. Look at Elizabeth. God was able to make barren women fertile. And what? He's never going to believe that. I hardly believe it myself. Oh, how do I make Joseph understand? How do I make him understand our coming marriage? I do take seriously, too. Please understand that what has happened is really quite wonderful. It's wonderful. It's incredible. I have a part in God's plan. Highly favored, the angel said. I was just standing there in the kitchen, and there was a beautiful bright light, and the words, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Suddenly those words began to make me, make sense to me. The Lord is with me, within me. He's here. He's here. out thy life within me, O Jesus, King of kings. Be thou thyself the answer to all my questionings. Live out thy life within me. transparent medium thy glory to display the temple has been yielded and purified of sin let thy Shekinah glory now shine forth from within and all the earth keep silence the body henceforth be thy silent gentle servant moved only as by thee but restful, calm, and pliant from bend and bias free, awaiting thy decision when thou hast need of me. Live out thy life within. 
12 years, 12 years. That's a long time to be an outcast, an untouchable. That's almost as bad as having leprosy. Do you understand? No, I guess you wouldn't. Well, read Leviticus 15, 19. She shall be set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Well, if you've been bleeding almost every day for 12 years, you are never clean, never hugged, or even touched. Now do you understand? Have I seen a doctor? Oh yes, lots of them. Useless, all of them. They would just sit back in their chair, in their comfortable chairs in the office, and ask me personal questions. And they would sit well away from me, for sure. They'd shake their heads, give advice, none of which helped. And so as the years went by, I got weaker and weaker, and pale, so pale until I looked as white as the lilies of the field out there. I knew I couldn't last much longer. And then I heard about Jesus. He wasn't afraid to touch lepers, and they got better. Maybe, but no, they were men. He wouldn't help me, I'm only a woman. I was too scared to go to him and ask him if I could just touch him. No, that would make him unclean, too. Well, just touch his clothes. Yes, that's what I'll do. Touch his clothes. No one will ever know. Well, it was hard to get close to Jesus. Everywhere he went, he drew a crowd. I was too weak and short of breath to walk very far. But after several attempts, I managed to get into a crowd of people people who didn't know me. I was swept away with the crowd until I was near enough to brush my hand along the edge of Jesus' garment. And then it happened. I was well. I knew it before I even looked at my hands all pink and rosy again. I was my healthy old self. I felt like jumping up and down, yelling, I'm healed, I'm healed. Jesus healed me. Uh, but that would never do. I tried to meld back into the crowd. I wanted no publicity, no questions asked. Then Jesus turned to me, and he looked at me. Who touched me, he asked. Well, it seemed like a silly question with all the crowd around, and his disciples weren't slow in telling him so. Who touched me? His look told me that he knew all about me. Whom have I touched with healing? That's what he meant. 
I was ashamed and horrified at what I'd done. I could be severely punished for this. Would Jesus give me a lecture about keeping the law? Would he expose me in front of all these people? No, he spoke of my faith, my faith. And I tried so hard not to be known. He must have known what my problem was then, and he didn't let on, and he kept my secret. But he must have told his disciples later because he wrote about me in the Bible. A woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. That's me. I don't mind you knowing now. Jesus touched me, me, and made me whole. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul something happened and now I know he touched me and made me I met this blessed Savior Since he cleansed and made me whole I will never cease to praise him I'll shout it while eternity me and oh the joy that floods my soul something happened and now I know he touched me You know, I just can't believe it. 
I've read this book a hundred times, and it's just not there. John is telling my story, my story, and he leaves out my name 13 times. Count them, 13 times. He refers to me as the woman. Just once, just once couldn't he put in my name? Well, I want you to know my name. My mother did not name me the woman at the well. My name is Tamara. And I bet some of you know what it feels like, too. You don't have names either. You're the secretary, the operator, the housewife, the little woman. But you know what? Jesus knew my name. And I want to tell you about the day I met Jesus. I came late to the well that day. And for 20 centuries, commentators have been making hay over that. They scratched their erudite heads, asking themselves, what can we make of this? Now, how many reasons can you think of for someone to be late at the well? Do you want to hear what they came up with? I'll tell you. I've been collecting their comments for some years now. I don't mean to brag, but I'm a bit of a scholar. She's a social outcast. She's ashamed to be seen in public. And oh, I love this one. She doesn't get along with the other women in the community. I want you to know that I'm an important and influential person in my community. I have opinions. And I speak my mind. And people listen to me. I make sure of that. Do you want to know why I was late to the well that day? Well, I'll tell you. It was divine providence. That's what it was. You ever read that in any of your commentaries? Now just think about it. The word was made flesh. That's what John says. And the flesh was thirsty. Now, is God going to let his son die of thirst right there in the desert? I think not. So he looks out over the city of Sakar and he picks me out. He directs my footsteps and propels me to the well so that I arrive at just the right moment on just the right day to give his son a drink of water. Stuff that in your commentaries. I'll never forget the look of the disciples' faces when they came back and saw Jesus and me in deep conversation. Jesus was telling me things he had been trying to tell the disciples for years. But they didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was saying. But I got it. I understood what he was talking about. I had been studying the prophecies for years. All my life I had prepared for that conversation. But do the disciples see any of that? They do not. All they see is the woman. And their brains just skid into neutral. Their thought process comes skidding to a halt. And they dive into their grab bag of stereotypes and they whip out 
Samaritan. And instantly I am boxed, bagged, labeled, and dismissed. But Jesus didn't put me in any box. I hardly noticed him that day when I first saw him. He was sitting there at the well alone. He was hot. The sun was beating down on his head. He was thirsty, obviously thirsty. And I would have gladly given him a drink of water, but I was a woman. I didn't dare. Anything I would do would just be rejected as an insult. So, tough luck, guy. And I just fixed my eyes on the horizon and went about my business. And then I heard his voice. And I turned. He was speaking to me. I looked up, and he was looking at me. And when my eyes met his, they didn't dart away. Give me a drink, he said. So simple, just like that. Give me a drink. Well, it took me a moment to recover myself, I'll tell you that. I mean, this man had just jumped two social barriers the size of the Grand Canyon. And I wasn't about to just hand him a drink of water and let him go right off into the sunset without my knowing who he was. I had to know who he was. So I'm not shy. I just came right out and asked, what's the deal? How come you, a man, can ask a favor of me, a woman? And you, a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan. You know, he seemed kind of pleased by my questions, and his eyes lit up. And as he drank water from my pitcher, he began to talk. He talked about God. He talked about worship. He talked about things close to my heart and things that touched his heart. The more he talked, the more I began to think, this is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary prophet. And cold chills ran up and down my spines. And I thought, is it possible? Could it be? Well, there are some things you just don't come right out and ask somebody. You know, like, nice chatting with you. Are you the Messiah? So I came at it kind of oblique-like. I can be diplomatic. I just threw this kind of coolly into the conversation and then just stepped back to see what he would do. I opened the door a crack to see if he might come through. And he took that door and threw it wide open. I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. Not I who raised the dead or I who healed the sick or I walk on water, but I who topple the barriers between men and women, between social groups, that is, I am the Messiah. Those were the last words of our conversation. And just then, the disciples came back, and all meaningful dialogue was at an end. We were engulfed in a swarm of Jewish males.
and they were all glaring at me. They didn't dare say a word, but oh, if looks could kill. Puzzled, angry, indignant that I, the woman, would dare speak to their personal, private Messiah. Well, I just glared back. It was not your Kodak moment. I did, I did not help the situation in me. I mean, I knew what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to cover my face, hide my eyes, and hang my head in the face of all this masculinity. But I just couldn't do that. I had just spent the last hour gazing into the face of Jesus. I was a disciple too. And no other disciple was going to make me hang my head. So I turned away from those angry faces and looked back at Jesus. Then it was my turn to drop my mouth open with amazement. This was not the same man I had seen earlier. Slumped over, exhausted, discouraged at the well. He was alive with energy from head to toe. He was charged with life. And on his face was this huge smile. And he was looking right at me. I looked into his eyes and I saw him give me the slightest, most imperceptible nod. And I knew what I had to do. I dropped my pitcher by the well and I ran full speed back to Sakar. The first person I met there was an elder of our community, an official in our temple, a very good friend of mine, someone who had studied with me for hours on prophecies. I said, he's here, he's here, I know it, it's him. It can be no other, but you've got to come and see for yourself. Not just you, we've got all got to go, everybody. You start at the south side of the city and I'll start at the north and we'll meet in the middle. So up and down the streets we went, calling to our neighbors and knocking on doors. And again and again, I told my story of how I had met Jesus and what he had said. Soon, I was marching back to the well with the entire city of Sakar behind me. But you know what I was thinking at just that moment? I'm almost embarrassed to tell you. I was thinking, what if he's not there? What if he left? What if the disciples called him away to an important engagement? And then what if, and this made my blood run cold, what if he thought I wasn't coming back? It had been several hours. What if he had given up on me? But you know, I needn't have worried. He was right there when I returned, waiting for me and anybody else that I might bring back with me. When he saw me and the entire city of Sakar, every man, woman, child, and household pet looming up behind me, he threw back his head and his laughter filled the sky. Once again, Jesus and I met by the well. Once again, we were surrounded by people, happy, laughing people, all eager to see the Messiah, 
all hoping to catch a glimpse of him, wanting to see him, wanting to touch him, wanting to hear him, wanting him to notice them. I introduced him to every person there by name. He looked into each face, he held each hand, and he spoke to each heart. We couldn't let him go. We never did let him go. I don't know when I'll see Jesus again. It might not be until I enter that kingdom of spirit and truth he told me about. And I know when I get there, he'll be surrounded by all those disciples. But guess what I'm going to do? When I see Jesus, I'm going to get my pitcher and I'm going to fill it with, to the brim with cool, clear, sparkling water. And I'm going to burst through those disciples and I'm going to hand it to Jesus and I'm going to say, remember me? Like the woman at the well I was seeking For things that could not satisfy And then I heard my Savior speaking Draw from my well That never shall run dry Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole there are millions in this world who are craving the pleasures earthly things afford but none can match the wondrous treasure that I find in Jesus Christ my Lord. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. So, my brother, if the things this world gave you leave hungers that won't pass away, my blessed 
Lord will come and save you if you kneel to him and humbly pray fill my cup Lord I lift it up Lord come and quench this thirsting of my soul bread of heaven feed me till I want no What a day. It seems like my job is never done. And now you want me to take in another guest? How could you do this to me? The least you could do is help clean this house. It's a disaster area. I've never seen it look this bad. Mary, why can't you learn to be more responsible? It seems like you're always meeting men who don't amount to anything. And now you tell me you've met the perfect man and you want me to meet him? And I've heard about men like that. See, all the women love him, right? Tell me about it. The perfect man? I doubt it. So why did I let you talk me into taking on another task like this? And why aren't you helping me? There's so much to do. He gets here and you're going to sit out in the living room the living room and talk with the men while I stay in the kitchen and do all the work. Well, hey, he's your guest. I'm tired of this. You finish. I've got plenty of other work to do. He really is the perfect man. I don't believe it. For once you were right. Ah, so you did meet him. It was incredible. I've never met a man like this. I mean, here in, he was in my home. He asked how I felt. He wanted to talk to me. He was interested in hearing about my work. He said thank you. He appreciated what I was doing. It was wonderful. He actually talked with me. He was actually interested in what I wanted to talk about. I told you. I told you. And you know what takes the cake? The best part of the whole thing? He said, can I come into the kitchen and help you fix supper? I've never had a man help me in the kitchen before. And what was even more remarkable was he knew what to do. I don't believe it. Here, we don't need this anymore. You're right. We have to have this man come and see us more often. Come on, let's go find Lazarus. Absolutely, come on.
I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in him a friend so strong and true I'll tell you how he changed my life completely He did something that no other friend could do no one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. When my brother Lazarus became ill, I immediately notified Jesus. But unfortunately, Lazarus died suddenly before Jesus could arrive. I was extremely frustrated and angry that Jesus was not there. So I immediately immersed myself in preparing the funeral, planning the service, cooking the food, cleaning the house, and entertaining the guests who always arrive for such an occasion. And then I heard what, that Jesus was approaching, that he was just outside my home. I immediately dropped everything and I, I was doing and I ran out to meet him. I pleaded with him to bring my brother back to life. I'll never forget what happened next. I'll never forget the smell of that body that had been dead for four days. I'll never forget the sound of the voice of Jesus as he called my brother from the grave. I'll never forget the look on the face of Lazarus as he walked forth from the tomb. And then I knew. I knew that Jesus and I would be friends forever. I knew that one day I would hear him say, Martha, come forth. Martha, come home and live with me forever. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More I understand his word of love. But I'll never know just why he came to save me Till someday I see his blessed face above No one ever cared for me like Jesus There's no other friend so kind as he no one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Hello, I'm Mary Magdalene. Am I here to share my story? You know, it's always been the same since we were kids. 
Martha was the hardworking, dependable, helpful one, while I, well, I was the flighty one. My main interests were clothes and men. Then, as an adult, the same thing. Martha cooked and cleaned. Dear, dependable, dull Martha. I enjoyed myself. I was off meeting people, especially men. I dressed to look my best. Men liked me. Young men, older men, single men, and sometimes married men. I enjoyed them all. I, Mary, the prostitute that some people called me, couldn't hear enough of this preacher. Somehow, I just, I needed more. And my friends, well, they were pretty amazed too. This Jesus, he seemed to always be there to defend me. He put Martha straight. Mary has chosen the best way. I chose? I remember choosing a way. I was drawn to him like metal to a magnet. Hmm. The party at Simon's house. Martha was in getting lunch as usual. I knew I had to do something for Jesus. I couldn't tell him in words how I felt about him. So I paid a small fortune for this beautiful bottle of perfume. And I took this perfume and I waited for just the right moment. And I poured it on his feet. But in my haste, I forgot a towel. How in the world was I going to dry his feet? I used my hair. What an embarrassing moment that was. But you know what? Jesus was there to defend me. He defended me. For a man like that, I would do anything. I watched them kill him. I couldn't leave him there at the cross. Father, forgive them. That's what I heard him say. It was just like him, always forgiving, forgiving until the end. I watched him die, but I couldn't cry. There were no tears that day. Two days later, when we returned to embalm him, his body, it wasn't there. It was gone, stolen. Someone took him. That is when the tears flowed, floods of tears. Was this the end of my dreams? And then he was there. Jesus is alive. He was there. Those same eyes that were full of tears moments before were now laughing. Jesus, my defender, my friend, my Lord, my God spoke to me in the garden. It was awesome. Jesus, I love you.
All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong arms about me. And he led me in the way I ought to go. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Well, we have heard five stories today of women who had an encounter with Jesus. They came from different backgrounds with different personalities. One met him in her home while preparing a meal. One met him washing his feet and drying them with her hair. One met him at a well drawing water. One met him at the hem of his garment as he was passing by her home. And one met him at his birth. Their encounter brought each one to the very same end, a loving relationship with their Savior and a new life. Now they are full of love, forgiveness, peace, hope, with a new life in Christ. Today, if you have not met Christ, he wants an encounter with you. He will meet you right where you are, sitting here in this church this morning. It's not as hard as you might think. You simply have to Repent of your sins, ask him to come into your heart, believe on his name and the work that he did on the cross for you, and ye shall be saved, the Bible teaches us. At this time, the ladies will be offering a prayer of thanksgiving, so if you would, please bow your heads. Lord Jesus, you have been so gracious to all men, women, and children. You have crossed gender, gender racial, and religious barrier, barriers to give us your extended good news of love, acceptance, and salvation. Thank you again for the value we have in your sight. Today we have caught a glimpse of what you meant 
to the underprivileged of your day. Though there was no room for you at the inn, grant it this day that we might make abundant room for you in our hearts, that you can only truly be Emmanuel, God with us. Though your own did not receive you, grant this hour we may embrace you with open arms. Keep us from letting you stand out in the cold or forever sending you away to some stable. May our hearts be warm and inviting so that when you knock, a worthy place will always be waiting. Jesus, you are the most wonderful and merciful of physicians. And as we reflect upon the words of the woman healed by your touch, help us to realize that it's not the healthy who reached out to you, it was those who suffered greatly. We are needy people, people with outstretched arms, people who had nothing to offer but the faith that you could make them whole. Oh Lord, how often we followed in the crowd pressed around you each Sabbath as we sing hymns, say our prayers, give our money, listen to the sermon. Yet how few times have these brushes with you changed our lives? Thank you, Lord, that by reaching out and touching you in faith, our lives can be healed. Dear Lord, even though we can have the same living water within us that you gave the Samaritan woman, so often we find ourselves searching for other things to fill our lives. It's inconceivable that anyone who has tasted of your goodness would drink from any other well. But we have money, success, pleasure, popularity, <clears throat> and security. In the end, all dry wells. Keep vivid in our minds at times you have met us by the well and said, I who speak to you am he. And may the memory of that sacred moment keep us from wandering to seek other, seek water at any other well than yours. Renew in us, O Savior, a zeal like that Samaritan woman, a zeal to tell her friends, her acquaintances, and even strangers about you. And then as I reflect on Martha, when you came to her, when you knocked at the door to our hearts, what is it that you're looking for? Is it not to come in and dine with us? Is it not for fellowship? And yet so often, where do you find us? At your feet? No, you'll find us in the kitchen or workplace. How many times have we been distracted and left you sitting there waiting and longing? What is so important about the things we just have to do that draws us away from you? Forgive us, Lord, for being so diligent in our duties and so negligent in our devotion, for being so quick to our feet and so slow to yours. Help us to understand that it is an intimate moment you seek from us, not an elaborate meal. 
Bring us out of our busyness, Lord, and bid us come to your feet. And may we ever thrill to sit and adore you. When I think of Mary Magdalene, I realize, Lord, there are many times when we have been critical of others. Forgive us for our eagerness to bring to you the shortcomings of others and our reluctance to bring our own shortcomings. Help us to live with the same spirit of compassion that you showed that woman so long ago. Lord, through each of these lies portrayed today, you have spoken and shown so much of who you are. Thank you for loving us so much. We invite you, God, to abide in our hearts, to walk with us, to touch us, to reveal yourself to us, and may we too have the same assurance as these women that we have met Jesus and will never be the same again. Amen. Now please stand for our benediction. <clears throat> The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you all. Amen.